And we are back for the second time in February. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. It's a leap year. And we're, gonna put, <laughs> we're, take, we're taking advantage of that extra day to bring more content to the people. It's what the people wanted. And you know what else the people appreciated? What was that, Joe? Jimmy Garoppolo over Travis Kelsey. Okay, no, I want to thank. I wasn't expecting you to say thank, that. I know, I'm right? Sorry. Yeah, you didn't see that coming, <laughs> did you? But I want to yeah. personally thank all those, all the people who voted. Um, I want to also shout out Vinny's sister, who is adamantly uh, for Travis Kelsey, um, who turns out to be the lesser of the two, and less popular than Jimmy Garoppolo, who is quite handsome, far more handsome than Travis Kelsey. And a giant loser. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? He's still a winner in my book because he's got two rings. How many rings does Andy Reid have? One big fat one. I mean, you talk about his stuff. I'm just kidding. I shouldn't comment on people's weight. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> we're support. We're supporting a. Uh, Joe's still it? doing IF, guys. Don't. Yeah, we're supporting him. a healthy. Uh, what is the lifestyle again? Is that what we're doing? Yes, healthy lifestyles, man. Yeah. Dead sure. serious though. Dead serious. <laughs> But speaking of big fat winners, Vinny, what do we got? I know we talked about it last episode, but last episode was recorded, uh, I think, six days or no, seven days before it actually won all of its Super awards. Super Bowl Saturday. Yes. So we didn't know the, as much back then. We did not. So the following uh, week on February eighth, I believe, uh, Parasite ended up winning four Oscars. Four for five, right? Four out I'm of five, sure. which mm-hmm. is an Asian F. But you know what? We'll take a win. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was getting to a point in the night where I would have still been disappointed if they had won three, and then I mean, they got they got best um, foreign film. Actually, I think they might have renamed it to like international something. It, something yeah. so they didn't just focus on the language, but just it being an international film. But I would have been disappointed if it didn't take on best picture, but it did. Yeah, which That's is the, only the big one that matters. One. Yes, exactly. So that was really exciting. I know I was following um, on Twitter because I don't have NBC. Was it on NBC, ABC? What was it on? I don't know, man. They're not, they're not paying us anything, so yeah. I don't think I feel oh, yeah. obligated to remember. Yeah, no shout-outs to the channel. But I was just following up on Twitter, um, and I was like just like sitting there just scrolling refresh. It was F5 season. I was trying to figure out what was going on. And then um, every time we got a new one, or every time Parasite. You know, I'm going to keep saying we as if I won it, as if I was part of the team. But I kind of feel like that, so I'm gonna keep saying we, just like I say we with the Patriots. But anyways, um, yeah, I kept I kept like refreshing, texting Vinny. I was texting my other friends, losing my mind on Instagram. It was pretty fun. Um, definitely more exciting for me than this year's Super Bowl. But uh, yeah, yeah, just a historic night. I, I remember I wasn't sure if you were gonna get back in time, so I was just kind of shooting updates your way and it was just still shocking for me man to see them kind of get up there win so much shout out to uh bong jeno's like translator as well apparently i think she was i don't don't know if she was a student or if she was just up there to um she was i think she was a filmmaker herself so like this opportunity for her to go out there and just obviously like do such a great job of communicating his you know, speeches out to the audience. I think she'll have a career for herself afterwards, but I don't know her name right now. Uh, I I keep doing this, but (laughs) shout out to her. We'll we'll throw it in the comment section after the fact. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I want to shout out his speeches because they were actually hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) Just like constant allusions to like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to drink all night. You know, (laughs) (laughs) very Korean of him. If you want to know, that's very on brand for Koreans. Um, I checked a couple years ago. But I think Koreans drink the most out of any country in the world. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm not yeah. surprised. I'm not surprised at that at all. Yeah, the drinking I, um... culture there is um, strong. And uh, also, I would say, in a health-wise, not great. 
Mm, yeah, but they can definitely hold it. I uh, I think he held true to his promise too, because he said, he, like I said, he was, he was going to drink a lot after every speech. <laughs> like, and he was kind of surprised that he was coming up there constantly. But they went to a place in LA afterwards. I think it was called Soban, S O B A N. I'm probably saying it wrong. Somewhere in Koreatown, though. So that was pretty awesome. And they probably were out there until like 4 a.m. I think. That had to be a hell of an after party. Must have been, dude. Definitely, definitely. The soju I, I think... was flowing. Yeah. <laughs> so, the soju was flying. They're, they're one of the coolest parts of the night, too. I remember when they did get that best picture speech, and I think the lights dimmed on them a little bit early. Like, they were still trying to go through their speech. And mm-hmm. maybe it was, like, the daughter of the production company. I don't even know what it was. But, like, everybody in the audience, all the Hollywood famous folks, were just, like, going up, 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 up. Like, trying to cheer them on for mm-hmm. them, like, keep going. Because Jane Fonda was in the corner with her mic. Uh I'm not going to retell the joke I told Joe, but, you know, Jane Fonda has a history. <laughs> Just look it up. Uh, she's an interesting character. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it was great just to see everyone kind of rooting on that film the same way that I think we at home are watching. So I think it's general consensus, man. This is an awesome movie. Uh, we said it was great. The people have spoken. The Academy has spoken. Uh, yeah. So just big win. Big win for yeah. everybody. I just want to... You know, it's funny because we started this podcast like 14 months ago, maybe 15 months ago. And then we started off talking about, you know, sports. And then the next episode we were talking about, um, or no, I think the first episode we were, yeah, I don't know. But was it the first it, episode we talked about Crazy Rich Asians as well as basketball? I think the first I episode was basketball. I'm going to tell then. you that it was right around that same time. So we used like sports as our vessel to get you to know us. Yeah. But I think Crazy Rich Asians was, was that, that was when I was peaking. Yeah. And then, so like, it just. I mean, you can, I don't think we can say that the two are, like, correlated in terms of, like, oh, like, you know, there's a victory, you know, a small victory in terms of, like, having an Asian big screen movie and then going to Paris. I don't, I don't think there's a connection there, but I just think it's, uh, it's funny, you know, like, I think the course of our podcast is, like, I mean, for us, it's definitely been a parallel with, you know, the successes in Hollywood. And so, you know, some might say that, you know, the success of our podcast directly relates to the success of Asian movies and films, um. So if Asian movies and directors want to sponsor the pod, you know, we're we're here for the bag. Our rise, our ascension is a direct correlation with this. I agree. Absolutely. So, you know, if you want to give credit to anybody outside of Pong Juno, outside of anybody else, you know, I think Joe and Vinny, we're here for it. We're, we're also, available. I also want to just give a quick, um, <laughs> not disclaimer, but I like to apologize to all of our Korean-speaking uh, fans and audience for my uh, pronunciation attempts. But I'm trying my best, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think yeah. anyone's gonna hold it against you. Hey, I'm considering trying. I can't say your last name. Like nobody can, and I don't have one, Joe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's Vinny Bleep. Vinny Bleep. But yeah, I mean, I think to use the same phrase that we used when we were talking about Crazy Rich Asians is that it feels like. This is something of a beginning, or it's some form of progress, you know? Um, so, Vinny, do you have any thoughts on that? On yeah, what you think uh, this might mean? Yeah, no, I think it's really important to think about, like, uh, you know, obviously beyond its success, we can look at it objectively as a great movie across the board, and it's great to see recognition, and it's, it's validation, because I think sometimes I think you look at these awards and be like, oh, you know, sometimes the best movie doesn't always win, and then you can, like, say, oh, they don't mean much, but... I guess at the convenient times, we can also say it means everything when the right movie <laughs> wins, too. Uh, but I remember just a year ago, I mean, I was going on, you talked about what we were talking about in the first podcast around Crazy Rich Asians, and a movie that I was remiss to give a shout-out again last week, or not last week, last pod, was Burning, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember being disappointed that that movie didn't even get a nomination um, in the Academy Awards for even foreign language or international film, whatever the heck they're calling it. Um, and so going from that feeling to being like, wow, I watched this great movie, why wasn't it I mean, it looked like it was going. It was rolling in the, the independent films, and maybe it was going through Sundance, Cannes, whatever, and then no recognition whatsoever. To now seeing Parasite hop on from winning everything to even you know outside of the the main stage of the Academy Awards, and then taking on the biggest award of the night, uh, that's a huge leap. So, if we think about that that progress, I think it's just. What are we saying? Korean movies have been great for a long time, and we can go through the whole like laundry list of films that have been released, you know, even from Bong Joon-ho's own uh, repertoire, right? Snowpiercer, we mentioned before, mm-hmm. The Host, um, and there's other great Korean directors too. I mean, I remember some movies that were even on have been on Netflix for a while, a little bit darker, 
something like old boy maybe oh, God. Um, like i saw the devil this isn't my excuse to just flex my korean you know film knowledge you korea boo <laughs> <laughs> what was that joke dude i saw i was on sell. okay this is a quick tangent i saw i was on sell asian traits and someone said if your uh girlfriend like loves korean dramas then you're her second korean boyfriend or something like that <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm i'm busting up on the, on the joke uh but it, it, that kind of bring it back to what I was trying to say before. Um, it's Joe. You probably can paint this analogy, but I don't want to steal away from you. I'll let you kind of delve into what it means from from your perspective too. But I, I do think it, it certainly means something. Don't want to connect it directly with maybe crazy rich Asians because I think we're almost telling like an Asian American story where this one it's universal in a sense, but still kind of giving us a peek with what Korean society is as well. You know, it's still telling that specific story. But the push is you're getting a lot of visibility of seeing Asian faces on a primetime you know, show. Um, you're giving awards where, again, they weren't seen before with a Korean director and for even Korean film. So that in itself is historical and a giant milestone. And hopefully, again, this isn't just a blip because it, these movies have been great for a while and that's not stopping. Like they're, they're still making Korean great, great films, not just Korean as well, but maybe Asian films across the board. So... That's what I have to say about that, Joe. What about you? What do you think about what Parasite really means? And I think we can probably go a little bit deeper, too. But Right. Um, so, yeah, I was thinking that, you know, I was spitballing this idea with Vinny right before we started recording the pod. But I was saying that, you know, I think, one, the point that Vinny brought up in terms of seeing Asian faces succeeding on, like, the biggest stage, I think that's a huge victory in and of itself. But I think even from my perspective, what I find particularly gratifying is that the talent is being recognized for what it is right? Regardless of uh, race, regardless of language, regardless of those barriers, which some would think were insurmountable at times, right? Like, I think I would struggle to appreciate foreign language films. But to see this one getting the accolades that it did, I think, is what makes me particularly proud, hopeful, and looking forward, you know, and to make an analogy, you know, this might not be the greatest or no, so like, like thinking back on it like um we always relate things to sports you know and so when i think about this you know i think about um like earl lloyd was the first you know african-american player in the nba right was earl lloyd the greatest african-american nba player no absolutely not and were african-american basketball players not good at basketball before earl lloyd joined no like they were they were great before they were great during and they were great after but i think the importance was that he made the breakthrough you know and he became the first one and then we could get michael jordan we get kobe bryant lebron james jason tatum you know and so <laughs> you know shout out to jason shout tatum jason. But, um, <laughs> i almost let that one slip man. i was like yeah uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway sorry but like that means that you know going forward you know while this might not be the greatest korean film ever made it's certainly opening the door for future great Korean films or future great international films in general, you know, for yeah. any internet, this is the first time any international films ever won best picture. And so, or a foreign language film to win best picture. And so we're looking at this and we're thinking, you know, a hundred years down the road, we're getting the Michael Jordan of international films because we first allowed Earl Lloyd in, you know? And so that's the significance of Parasite is not that it's the greatest movie of all time. It's might honestly, it's probably not even the greatest Korean movie, you know? Mm-hmm. At in this moment, but that's the significance is that Parasite is Earl Lloyd. Um, but yeah, Vinny, I, you also sent me. Oh wait, sorry, go, you have thoughts? Yeah, well, actually, so I, I know I know we're we gonna segue into. I just want to make some counterpoints what you were saying too. Maybe while we kind of try to define what progress means, and this could be beyond just cinema, but it's hard to say because not, it not, doesn't necessarily mean we're trying to assimilate anything, but like. You open the door with this movie being the first international film to win. And then when you start just not noticing as much, like having English be the primary mm. language or have all these other films win and just looking at it, objectively great films, regardless of whether they have subtitles. And again, it just becomes part of the the ether. Uh, that's probably not the right word to use. But yeah, well, as soon as we start noticing, maybe that's what progress really is, especially when it comes to like this kind of monumental moment. Um, right. It, it kind of I don't know, made me think as far as even greater impact too, is that like everybody and beyond before the movie even won, it's, it's uh 
award. Everyone was talking about it. You know, across right. the board. I mentioned in the office, at home. People were like, have you seen this movie? It's getting, it's getting all this buzz. I mean, people might have. I don't know if the first thing that came out of anyone's mouth that wasn't maybe another Asian person. I say that specifically because with it being a Korean film, that wasn't like their their buy-in. They're just like, this seems like a great movie. Like, have you seen it? And then everyone's trying to ask around. So, yeah. So, Joe, I mean, what were we gonna get back to? Um, um, sorry. Yeah. Before we get into that, uh, I was gonna bring up the New York Times article you sent me, but yeah. um, before that, like what you had mentioned is that like when you don't even think twice about it right like we watch tv shows like narcos on netflix right and you don't you don't think twice about watching or even being concerned about like the uh yeah you don't get concerned about the um like like listening to it in spanish and then reading english subtitles below it you Mm -hmm. know like and sure yeah it's like mixed in with english and it makes it a lot easier probably more palatable if if that's how you see it but um yeah, like, we don't think twice about Narcos, you know? And so, like, I actually saw an ad for another Netflix show. I think it's about this Japanese detective in, like, London or something. And, like, he's, like, hunting down his brother. Anyways, it looks really cool. Half the show is in Japanese. Hmm. And half the show is in English. And I'm, like, I think this is the future of, like, what American Western TV might look like. You know, is it, like, you have this... Or, like, not not that that's, like, the, the only future, but, like, I think that's definitely... You know, Parasite might create inroads into, like, that. You kind of, like, you, like, dip your toes in the water with language that way. And then you become more accustomed to just hearing other languages. I don't know. The, the word I'm looking for, I think, is it's ubiquitous, I guess. It becomes just so yeah. ingrained and in, in normal part of our life. The other analogy I'd probably like to make is one that I think David Chang has been trying to push when it comes to um, food that we find in the grocery store. Like, why do we have, why do we still have, like, an oriental aisle or, like, an Asian food aisle or something specific to that ethnic food in general, not just Asian specific. Yeah. You have it in every grocery store. You walk in, you have all your Mexican food, all your spice. Like why, the fact that that's still happening today and that's relegated to a single aisle when it's a part of cooking in general, like why does it need, you know what I mean? Like having yeah. one specific aisle for it. I'm not doing the best job of maybe trying to explain what that means, but to a certain degree, if we can evolve our film industry or maybe our everyday <laughs> society where people just don't notice, and again, you kind of go about, you find all your spices in one place and all the Asian spices are mixing with it, all the salt, pepper, and whatever else you want to find. You don't have to go to one specific the house MSG. for it. It's just everywhere. Yeah, and MSG is not so frowned upon. <laughs> you know, it's naturally occurring. <laughs> Super delicious. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, that's something that, that kind of popped up in my head. Um, oh no definitely but um yeah i think i think getting back to uh honestly so that asian food aisle really helps me out a lot sometimes when I'm shopping <laughs> but um, you know what i'm sorry <laughs> just, go, just go to the whole asian grocery store it's much better, <laughs> yeah, what you, i do that too so. an off brand let me low-key though walmart has some great ethnic food all over the place <laughs> <laughs> shout out to walmart yeah but uh great brands too but yeah so like the um the new york times article Vinny, you sent this to me um and it was titled, or it is titled, uh, sorry, I'll scroll up for a second. Parasite One, comma, but Asian Americans are still losing by Walter Cha. Mr. Cha is a film critic. This was po- published two days after the Oscar victory. Mm-hmm. So what, what, what were your thoughts on it, Vinny? Before we get into that, do you mind reading the quote that we talked about too? I think if you don't know if you have it pulled up, I don't want to put yeah. you on the spot for it, but I thought it was pretty meaningful. So... Wait, the one that I had read to you earlier? Yeah. Okay. That one. Yeah. So I think right before this, he was talking about um, Bruce Lee and then whether, like, how when he was a child, he had been asked by a lot of people whether or not he knew Bruce Lee personally. And he was like, no, I do not. Anyways, so this is where he st- This is um, from Mr. Cha's article. There is a quiet, yearning part of me that wants to just celebrate all of those faces that look like mine. But the nervous, weather-beaten part of me worries that Hollywood will simply start strip-mining Korean product and luring Korean talent to the United States to humiliate them as sidekicks in action cop franchises. Um, And that's the end of the quote. But specifically, he's referring to Jackie Chan and his portrayal of, you know, the Asian cop or the Chinese cop or the Hong Kong detective in Rush Hour. And, um, yeah. Yeah, and like Bruce Lee being used in the Green Hornet, right? And that's that's like a that was a, a signal of not an older Hollywood because when you're talking Rush Hour, that's in the 2000s, and it's clearly still a film that I really hold near and dear, probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, 
Rush Hour 2 specifically. <laughs> yes. But that's my opinion piece. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I guess I was thinking because I think in that same article, it almost seems to pit um, the success of Parasite maybe against another movie that was really um, lot, not generating as much noise. But we did kind of give a shout out on our last podcast to Aquafina winning Best Actress at the Golden Globes for The Farewell. Um, what felt like maybe a uniquely Asian American story, more so about how you're taking this Asian American woman living in, I don't know, some part of New York, probably Queens, and then putting her into, back in her life, I guess, it was, in, was it Hong Kong? I, I don't know, maybe Taiwan? I'm, I'm mixing it up in my head, too, but two different places entirely, folks. Just know that. That's the difference. But kind of like the, the pull that you get, and maybe like how society is viewing you, and, and, and maybe the daily struggle that we have as Asian Americans having that struggle of feeling neither way, right? Being mm-hmm. American in your homeland or your motherland and then in your actual country being seen as a foreigner, right? Um, this probably ties into our greater theme of what we want to talk about on the podcast. But I think that's when we talk, they talked about what it means when we think about the impact for Asian Americans and the same way we can maybe not celebrate crazy rich Asians to like the, or the way we talk about crazy rich Asians, the right way we say, I love Jeremy, like uh, we can be Jeremy Lin stand so hard, but it's different for Yao Ming. Like, I don't know if I can use that same, I keep trying to find analogies for everything that we're talking about today, Joe. Um, but I think I'm think that's unfair, right? To, to say that, because I think, think you're choosing to gloss over something that really has been happening for a while when there is really real progress to be made. Basically what we just kind of discussed in this past 20 minutes or so with the success of a movie like Parasite. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, like, definitely, you know, on board with everything you were just saying. In terms of, like, there is that that tension that's definitely real about, you know, who we are as individuals. Mm-hmm. You know, being Asian, you know, in America, and then American in Asia. And I think, you know, things like that just... It's, I don't know, it's, like, really hard to put my thoughts into words, um... I mean, maybe not responding directly to that, because that, that's pretty heavy, I think, maybe mm-hmm. even a deeper theme we can always just kind of flesh out, but specifically, I guess, with Parasite and maybe what it means for Asian Americans, because I think that's what the crux of the article yeah. is trying to yeah. delve into, supposedly. Like, yeah, and like his... Kind of, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, his concerns are, like, about whether or not we're going to be, like, quote-unquote, strip-mined for talent, and I mm-hmm. think um, something I'd mentioned to you before while we were talking about this is that, like, I mean, if you're concerned about strip-mining you know, Asian talent or Asian products. I mean, shit, it's already happening. We're looking at sushi burritos out here. But, um, <laughs> but, um, no, but like, you know, there's, I mean, you look at shows like The Masked Singer, I think Vinny, last pod, you mentioned The Good Doctor being yep. an adaptation of a Korean show. And like, yeah, like The Masked Singer is an adaptation of a Korean game show. Like, and I think, I mean, if you're like concerned about strip mining of talent, I mean, the Korean producers don't mind. They're getting paid out the wazoo, you know? It's like they're making good money, so they don't mind selling, you know, their product. And I think that, um, yeah, while, like, having your, like, maybe our greatest stars turning into sidekicks here in the U.S., I think, you know, not to keep bringing it back to basketball, but, like, you look at, you know, like, the MVPs of, like, European basketball, right? And then when they get brought over to the NBA, like, they become a role player, right? Not that, like... I would say that, you know, and not that European players are always relegated to being role players. I and mean, we look at Luka Doncic, we look at, you know, Nikola Jokic or like any of these guys, these are guys like bona fide stars, you know? And so I think there is no concern from me, my perspective on the same concept, right? Because there are TV stars that I see in the US, like, like Rebel Wilson is an example for me, right? Where like, I don't think she makes a great lead. I think she makes a hysterical amazing top tier like side character you know i love what she brings to the table as a supporting star you know not necessarily for me as like the main star right and so like i don't think it's dependent on whether or not like they're asian and so like if they were to take korean actors and bring them over to the u.s and put them in like american hollywood films if that's what their talent level oftentimes that's what you need to break in is a side role and then you can progress and move on to that starring role. And so, like, I think the only concern, if there was one, is that they're being typecast or, like, stuck 
in a position, you know, at which point it might be better serving for them to just move on to like go back to making Korean films. And like, and like you see that happen in every industry in every like form of entertainment. And so like, I'm not super concerned about what Walter Cha has to say about, um, you know, us feeling like we might potentially lose as a result of this. Yeah. And I don't know, I guess I'm getting into a dicey subject because I think we, uh, I'm not really sure when we, I, I do this a lot. I start a sentence. I'm not sure where I'm going with it, but <laughs> here we go. Here's nothing. Like, I, I guess I was thinking about actors like Jimmy O. Yang, who, um, you know, he's very, very famous for his roles in um, Silicon Valley. Uh, but it almost seems like, uh, it's like they want maybe the image of what we think of as an Asian person or an Asian man in particular, it gets stuck into this typecast role or like this stereotypical mm-hmm. look. I'm not trying to criticize him because I'm not trying to also downplay any of his success. He's still clearly like a hilarious guy and he did a great job in Crazy Rich Asians. And I hope not to say that any role should be different um, moving forward. Uh, but then I kind of compare that against a role, I guess a guy like um, Henry Golding, who, you know, me, he's not getting cast roles because he's Asian, because he's just talented. I, I is that fair for me to say? I don't really know what I'm trying to get at, but like I was talking about earlier today how he's in the movie The Gentleman with one of my favorite directors, um, Guy Ritchie, who does a bunch of great action movies. He was Lock, yeah. Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Yes. And, and the fact that you just have Henry Golding in that film and all, I think is really awesome. I, I guess I have like an inner conflict in, even within myself about how to feel about these moments or these movies too. And I almost want to even roll back what I was saying before about what it means to have progress because I still feel like not trying to make any active effort to blend in you're just being unapologetically yourself or authentic and being and accepted no, for it and being accepted for it but right. you're not trying to hide from it either like i don't want to make that other message sound like you need to try to change what you're doing or mm-hmm. even in films too like they don't need to be americanized to be successful that's almost what i even maybe that's what i meant to say mm-hmm. um yeah <laughs> No, I don't know where I was point. getting with Jimmy Yoyan because I feel like I gave the same. We had this whole live podcast where we were pretty much ripping apart Ken Jong, and I thought it was for similar reasons <laughs> for how like you can act like you're making a joke, you're making fun of yourself, but ultimately I feel like you're it's hurting the greater population, hurting the whole. a greater population exactly. And it was like you're selling yourself out and you're telling these old tired jokes. Mm-hmm. About how, you know, even I saw a comic comedian recently, Joe Coy, and he had a big big stand up special on Netflix just. Kind of, yeah. I think it's there's a power in being able to make fun of yourself, and I think we should all be able to laugh too. But he keeps making the same small dick jokes and stuff like that, and you take it as you want. I mean, like, I'm not gonna rip the guy apart. You think he's funny or you think he's not. I still laughed. I'm not trying to be like a, Mm -hmm. yeah. What's the word? I'm like not trying to be all kind of in my feelings about it. But the same thing, Ken Jong's riffing on that too. But these guys come from a different time. You know what I mean? They're in their 40s and 50s and stuff. They've lived through what we could say the greatest (laughs) generation. Greatest generation of our... I could have my brothers a part of that, man. They went through way worse stuff than I did. And I had a relatively smoother childhood experience than what they would have experienced. And we're probably nice jump into a nice segment around casual racism because that's still alive and well today. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, that's uh, This might be segment. a good time. You want to just do it, Joe? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so it was, it was actually... Yeah, so casual racism. I think we've done this once before. But it's just like, you know, these everyday experiences... You know, when you're not doing anything spectacular and someone just comes out of the blue and smacks you in the face with some racism, you know, and um, <laughs> so like that's what casual racism is. And I think it's important to like, you know, for any non-Asian listeners out there is that like, I, I think we want to just emphasize that this actually still happens today, you know, and like we always like envision racism as in white versus black. Or, like, anything versus, like, black, you know? And, like, because I think black people have, t- like, traditionally had it the worst, you know? Yeah. Which, and, like, it definitely, yeah. And then, but then I just want to, like, I don't think people realize how much, or that we even do experience racism on a, on a daily basis. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, but just to get back to my story, like, I was out um, this past, so today's actually February 26th, um, it's a Wednesday. Yeah, I was out on Saturday night, and um, I was at, like, a bar, and then I, I step outside to take a phone call from a friend, and, like, I'm on the phone, and then these, like, two guys walk by, these white guys, they looked like they were, I don't know, maybe, like, a freshman or sophomore in, like, college. They look kind of young, and, um, which shows my age, but, <laughs> but um, they, like, at first, they, like, walk by, and, like, this guy goes, hey, man, 
nice shirt. And I was like, oh, dude, thank you. Right? Because, like, I had just bought that shirt, like, a week prior at J. Crew. It's a great floral print, navy blue with, like, these little red flowers. Beautiful shirt. Style. Anyways. Yeah, J. Crew, please sponsor the pod. But anyways, um, yeah, and then so I was like, I was like, oh, no, what a nice guy. You know, he's, this guy's just out here complimenting my shirt. You know, like, it's a good night. And I was still on the phone. And I'm like, hey, thanks, man. You know, and then he turns and he, like, takes a few more steps and turns around, thinks for a second, and then looks at me and goes, has anyone ever told you you look like the guy from Green Hornet? And I was like, uh. And I'm, like, still on the phone. I'm like, uh, no. And he's like, well, you do. And I was like, okay like thanks and he's like you should also watch it man great movie and i was like all right dude and like i'm still on the phone and then like i finished talking to my buddy and i go inside i'm like what the fuck just happened like and then i go and like i didn't even know who i, I didn't remember who the actor was in green Horn, green hornet because like i'm assuming he's talking about the modern revamp and you know i'm only aware of like bruce lee at that point I'm not, like, mas- not the master bruce yeah <laughs> yeah i'm like yeah there's no way i look like bruce lee right I mean, that would be a real compliment. But anyways, turns out he was referring, referring to Jay Chow. Jay Chow? I'm Jay Chow. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> moment for me right there. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and so like, I like look up his photo. I'm like, dude, I look nothing like this guy. I'm Honestly, gonna, let me look it up right now. Go ahead. Yeah. And we'll put up a poll later, too. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't look like him, you know? And so I was like, shit, this is some casual racism right here. So I texted Vinny immediately. I was like, yo, dude, you wouldn't believe what just happened. But, um, but yeah, and I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, it's just annoying to be told, like, not that this was, like, some sort of blatant, like, hey, get out of here, like, go back to China kind of stuff, you know? But, like, it's just those little, I think they call it microaggressions, where it's, like, I'd say this is more of, like, a, not quite as small enough to be a microaggression, but not quite big enough to be, like, a macroaggression, <laughs> I don't know. But, like, it's just, it bothers you enough that you're just told that you look like someone simply because you're Asian. I think this is an important segment because, like, Garrett, what you described right there, man, it's that gray, right? You know what I mean? It yeah. doesn't have to be hard to call you the, the, a slur for it to be, like, so obviously racist, right? But there's mm-hmm. something about it that just feels wrong or off. Like, I think that's what we're trying to bring light to in, the, in this segment. It's a little light but i remember asking you when you kind of told me that at first i was like yeah i mean am i supposed to be mad like are you supposed to feel mad is that a compliment like is it kind of like backhand right. at the same time am where I is it coming from it? yeah am are we like too sensitive yeah and but this is just our, our life though right you know what i mean like it's the fact that we have to question it yeah it's complicated so i mean like do you have you been able to think about it a little bit more since then i mean i mean this isn't like these it's I'm not funny, life like, altering i know yeah that. i'm not trying you to experience these things way. so often that like they just kind of like like they kind of hit you and they just slide right off but then i think we might have mentioned this in the very first time we talked about casual racism but yeah i think what you just talked about just now is that we're stuck questioning things that i don't think other people have to ne- like necessarily question you know um that like part of the privilege of being you know the majority in a country allows you you know, to never have to worry about these things, to never even have to question, am I being too sensitive? Or to question, like, was it a compliment? Was it an insult? You know, like, I think that causes, I wouldn't call it, like, a significant amount of stress, but I think it does cause, it's kind of like, it's always humming in the back of your head. It's like tinnitus. It's kind of like, you know, it's just there. It's kind of annoying. Hmm. And, like, honestly, like, every time I, like, even go out, you know, like, to, like, bars at night, there's always a part of me that's mentally prepared for someone to say something. And, like, it's weird because, like, it makes me somewhat on edge at all times. And I think that's the real issue at hand, is that you never feel quite comfortable enough. It doesn't feel like it's fully your home. Like, if I'm in my living room, I want to be in my boxers. I just want to be me, you know? And I think you don't get that feeling walking out on the street. Not that I'm going to be in my boxers, but like, you know, you don't get the feeling of this is my home. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you're being called off. I think that's the, maybe you're, you're hitting the, the nail on the head right there. I think that you're being pointed out. You're maybe, maybe made to feel different. Mm-hmm. Not like we're trying to think about it all the time, but it, that is what it is. Uh, I, th- I guess it's comparable to like, you know, with being, there's so few like Asian basketball players. Like you're playing basketball, you're always gonna be called Jeremy Lin. You know what I mean? Like, there's Jeremy. You know, every single time. On, <laughs> on, there's like so few examples for them to pull from, 
And that, that's kind of an obscure reference anyway, and not to try to downplay what you were saying, like, for that guy to know who that Green Horner guy... The funny thing yeah. is, that Jay Chow... Let's go, let's go with Chow, dude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all of our Taiwanese friends, please tell us <laughs> what it actually is. Um, but I think, yeah, she's, like, really good friends with Jeremy Lin, actually. Like, the Thai that random fact, and I think I saw them <laughs> kind of giving each other crap on IG, like, back and forth. Um, so there's a little tie-in there. Uh I, you know, I was trying to think about is like, you know, every generation probably has that guy. I mean, before us, it was like, oh, you're all Bruce Lee. And there's like you know, yeah. another podcast. They call us Bruce, which I think is a direct, <laughs> yeah. direct kind of uh, knock at that. I don't know if we have one for us, but I guess whenever someone would walk up and be like, oh, toodaloo, mother, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Always, That's a big one. That was my equivalent, I guess, to a certain degree. Like, you'd only be compared to what Ken Jong was doing in the Hangover film. Yeah. Um, good for him, but maybe bad for everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't, I, if, I, if it comes to my mind, I'll, I'll probably bring it up later in the pod. But I, I think there's somebody else. I feel like you're always constantly being like, "Oh, you're like that guy," because that's all they have to reference. Um, maybe you can tell me the same thing. I'm gonna save my casual racism for a later segue. Actually, Joe, quickly backtracking. Um, can you give us some life updates? Oh yeah, um, I got a bed. So not that I didn't have one before, but I was sleeping on a full size prior to this, and then. Um, you know, one of my friends like moved out of his parents' place. He was like looking for a bed. And then, so I was like, you know what? Like, this seems like a prime opportunity for me to like make a move. Um, so I ended up getting a molecule mattress. Uh, this segment brought to you by molecule, but, no, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so like, uh, those of you who do follow me on Instagram know exactly my motivations for buying it because you know, it's a great product. Uh, I looked up a lot of reviews, very well rated, um, and it didn't hurt at all that uh tom brady is their sponsor <laughs> so you know it's it's odd because uh i am a victim of advertising but i'm a willing victim and i think i'm a conscious victim so uh, for all of you like marketing majors out there just know that what you do actually works beautiful yeah. it does work i'm not gonna lie i think if i even though if I like search for something, I know it's like there. I get, I get a million targeted ads after the fact, just like looking up like away carry on bags, and every other Instagram <laughs> ad is is the same away thing. Where I'm going through stories, just seeing enough times though definitely make, keeps it at the top of mind, man. <laughs> I'm uh, definitely becoming part of the machine. Uh, yes, yeah. I'm a victim, a willing victim, and a well rested victim. On my new molecule mattress. <laughs> so you're happy with it, dude? I mean, I was like thinking, of, it's a foam mattress. Yep, it's a memory foam. It's like rated like a six and a half on like the firmness scales. It's actually pretty firm, way firmer than my last mattress. Um, and king size is pretty cool, man. Like, I can't reach the other side with my arm, and like I have like a six foot like four wingspan. It can't can't reach the other side. Oh wow, yeah. dude, that's nice. It is nice. Uh, life updates for me. Um, same mattress that hasn't changed. Um, but I'm jealous. I'm definitely pretty jealous. You should um, get a molecule. <laughs> maybe a Lisa. Probably, yeah, maybe a Lisa or a Casper. I don't know what those <laughs> other brands are, man. I, I when I was purchasing a mattress when I moved down here for um, any period of time, I just went the old school method, but for no good reason other than I was just I didn't know how to buy a mattress otherwise. I have a question for you. Huge mistake. Yeah. If Nick Foles sponsored a mattress. Yes. I don't or, even know you, whatever you say no, next. No, no, no. <laughs> so say Nick Foles sponsored a mattress and Carson Wentz sponsored a mattress. You're going Nick Foles, right? Uh, you know how I feel about winners, Joe. So, uh, yes, I'm going to have to go with Nick Foles. Um, sorry, Carson. No knock, no knocking you, but... Like Jadavion Foles. knocked him? Jadavion's <laughs> a dirty player. <laughs> But yeah, sorry, sorry for sidetracking you, but um, but yeah. No, dude, I Life mean, you're, you're catching me. Um, I'm, a, I'm getting ready to uh, head out to New York City and uh, Los Angeles, which I may or may not live in already. You don't know where I am. <laughs> um, just for a few days, taking some time off of for work. Uh, I'm looking forward to just eating my face off. Mm, that's what the majority of what I'll be doing in both, <laughs> both of those cities. 
um, well, I, I carefully, every time I go to any new place, I, I carefully map out, um, put a star on every like food destination. So like if we're walking somewhere, I call them food destinations. I didn't call them restaurants, <laughs> uh, but I'm like, okay, now I got to eat a little bit of this. Got to get some Joe's steam rice roll. You know, I got to walk over to Scar's pizza and then, oh, from there, you know, uh, how, I got to leave some room for some ramen. Then we got to go get the, <laughs> get the egg sandwich with the hash brown in it. Golden <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you going to make a pilgrimage? to the after party site for parasite oh in la, in LA. I, I marked it down man so i was like that's why as soon as i saw that news on twitter i was like <laughs> i gotta go where the legends go <laughs> you have to i i sleep where the legends sleep and you must eat where the legends eat i must do as they do correct correct so um i'm looking forward to it, man i mean in koreatown too i was gonna ask you for your advice man i mean especially with your brother like living out there for a while i just or did he? But um, <laughs> I, just in general, because I'm like, I've had some great Korean food in Philly. You know, I've had Korean food down here. But, you know, with the hardest, largest concentration, am I just missing out on certain dishes or uh, so something? Are you like... flying up to New York? Yes. Oh, damn it. If you... Hmm, how long are you in New York for? Two days. Okay, so better than New York Korean food. Right outside of New York, there's an area called Fort Lee. It's where, like, the bridge is between New York and Jersey. Uh-huh. And there's a place called Palisades Park, and that is actually the highest concentration of Koreans in the United States. Oh, per capita. Yeah. Yep. And uh, that is some of the greatest Korean food I've ever had in my life. You're saying that they're just taking making the best traditional dishes, or you're going to have to see there's dishes that you wouldn't find anywhere else? You Not know traditional what? dishes. I don't, I don't do... I mean, I don't, I don't, like, I don't generally, like, exp- branch out outside of, like, the traditional dishes. I don't okay. know why. No, I mean, that's not I mean, like, kind of problematic. I, I, I'm trying to figure out what that means, you know? Yeah. Uh, the best dog man I've ever had in America is there. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Joe's favorite dish, team noodles. Wait, team rice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, as a baseline, I'll just say, you know, final uh, part of this update is that um, I've had Thai food probably like three days so far this week. But I'm just trying to establish a nice baseline. So when I go out to L.A. and experience that, then I'll be like, okay, this is so much better. My first, my, my first Thai food memory actually was in the West Coast. Like, I was just visiting your cousins. And they're, they're like, oh, you ever had Thai food before? And, you know, we're all Southeast Asians, but I've never had Thai food in my entire life. And I'm in the middle school. So <laughs> we go to a Thai restaurant. I was like, this is amazing. I've never had this. <laughs> Mom, I don't want you to eat your food anymore. No, that's a lie. That's a lie. But... Anyways, I'm excited to go back. Um, in and out burger. Yeah. That's oh, hell yeah. I mean, style. There we go. Probably at LAX, and then everything else will just figure it out. But, um, all right. You know, just let, let you know what I'm up to, Joe. Uh, how about some of uh, our favorite Asian basketball players? Yeah, so we're about to add a new guy to the list. And this is going to be interesting because um, I actually was not aware of the existence of this individual until a friend of mine uh, pointed it put it i want to give a shout out to daniel uh, i don't know if you you might be listening you might not be but shout out to daniel uh, the guy who took our photos but um yeah he brought up this uh freshman at davidson uh and if you've heard of davidson before it's where steph curry played um and he's like a guard slash forward he's a six foot seven freshman um, from Yongin, South Korea. His name is Hyunjung Lee. And, you know, he's actually doing pretty well. Um, you know, so a lot of, like, I think people's expectations of, like, freshmen coming into college basketball, sometimes in big D1 programs, are, like, skewed by, like, the Zion Williamsons of the world, where it's, like, they're just expecting this guy just to put up 20 points a game. But he's actually, start, I think he's starting for them. And he's averaging a very respectable 8 points, 3 rebounds, 48% shooting from the field, and 37% from three. I actually watched some of his YouTube highlights. He has a clean stroke, like very clean shooting form. Um, he's actually looking pretty good. Um, he could use some beef on his frame. He's looking pretty wiry, but I think if I'm any model to go by, he's probably not going to fill out till he's like 24. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, probably won't even hit his peak until like 26. Like, physically, I, I wonder if that's like just some sort of developmental thing with Asian people, but I could just be generalizing and be racist. Who knows? 
<laughs> but yeah, like I think he's one to watch going forward. I'm, I don't know if Davidson's going to make it to the March Madness, but I hope they do. I, I, I should probably do my research. But if they do, you know, I'm going to be rooting for Penn State first, where I definitely did not go attend college, <laughs> and Davidson. Definitely don't Google Joe Penn State. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of Joes from Penn State, so yeah, who aren't from Penn State? Yeah, but yeah, three six seven. I can yeah. You, sh- you showed me that you passed me that video, and I sh- I was impressed. Definitely looks like he's a high basketball IQ, uh, objectively. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and also, he's just, dude, like that they were down in the game, they needed to get a bucket. He was consistently getting open, cutting off the the ball too. I mean, it seems like he's just a smart basketball player, as well as just also uh, a bucket getter, uh, a yeah. hooper. Um, not unlike our friend Ben Song. <laughs> Yeah, I love how we'll just like just blast and bend song out here, dude. Random thing, I was saying someone made a more accurate comparison to what Zion Williamson is more like in the NBA and uh, Zebo, like a more Ooh. more bounce, you know, probably a little bit more. Will definitely be better, but yeah, a little bit like Zach Randolph. Anyways, a little basketball talk for everyone. Just gotta drop that in there for you. And I'll use this as a quick way. Um to do my casual racism segment um which is a little bit upsetting and you know i wasn't even sure if i really wanted to share it necessarily but to keep things a little bit lighter my dad was just telling me this story um recently it's actually i think around the super bowl uh so it was after we recorded the podcast but uh you know he's he's a he's at you know he's dealt with a lot worse things in his life but i think even at the smallest level casual racism is still something that probably affects him probably every day he just doesn't always tell a story about it um, but this one's just more relevant in the news because of well, what we're going to get to. Um, but he's in the store, and you know he's happy, happens to be in line to at the seafood uh, aisle, and, and you know he's just trying to get some some snow crab legs before the the big game. My brother's going to come over, and they're going to watch. It's something that he always does. Um, and so he happens to order like all three clusters. The customer behind him is irked by that. He's like, "Hey, wait, well, say one for me, man. Come on." This is probably some like fifty year old man, grown man. Um, so after my dad does that, he's like, give him a hard time. My, my dad doesn't put up with anybody's shit, right, either. So he's just going to kind of talk back to him. Certain he's dealt with the worst people at as work. Um, but to, the, the, the argument seems to escalate to a certain point where this is a white male, you know, uh, again, 50-year-old guy. And he says to my dad, he's like, you know what? No wonder you, your people got the coronavirus. Referring to my dad. And just because he's an Asian man, just... I don't, the audacity for him to be able to say that, right? And I, I'm just yeah. kind of more affected. This seems lighter. Like, this may be the other example of it. But this guy's just being blatantly racist to my dad in a public place. You have the guy, the monger or whatever it is, the fish guy behind the counter looking at him. He's also in disgust, too. And he's like, man, in my mind, I'm just livid hearing my dad tell the story. And, like, I'm thinking about all the stuff that I would do. And my dad just brushes it off. He's like, you know what? You can have the crab. You know? And so he just, like, walks away. And, uh... It's not like I'm I'm stunned, and I'm not like kind of say I'm even disappointed because I guess like again this is a, a struggle that my dad's probably like faced since ever since he's moved to this country, right? But that same kind of story of like, hey, you know, don't cause too much trouble, move on in your, you know, don't you know, this stuff happens. You you need to kind of stay safe, keep yourself protected. I don't even know what I'm trying to say, like communicate here. I think Hassan Hassan Minaj on his uh, comedy special kind of said it's more eloquently, I guess, telling a story about how somebody broke his car window. And, and I guess as immigrant families, what we do to shield ourselves from that and even how they protect their kids, too. Um, I'm not trying to get into some Graham story. I just, I, I heard it. My dad doesn't sh- often share this stuff with me too much, but still um, really upsetting. And uh, it's not kind of a big topic I think we want to get in today about the coronavirus Um Really, not just of course, of course, we're talking about a possible outbreak. It's it's really serious um, concern globally now, and we're seeing more cases outside of China, new ones. Well, even in the news today, there's we have we're having press conferences from the president of the United States talking about what our plan is to try to you know stem the outbreak and do what we can to limit its its um, reach. But I think we're especially on this podcast, we want to maybe get a little into more of what it, how it affects the everyday lives of just any Asian person, right? It's not just someone that's from Wuhan or has traveled in China because I think we talk about the same problem that we face is that we are all different. We're all, we all have different characteristics, but the world sees us one way. Right. Um, 
I've been going on for a little while there, Joe, but feel free to share your thoughts. Um, so yeah, one quick note on the story you shared about there that your dad shared with you. Yeah. The one thing that I hate the most is like, what hurts me a lot is when like, I think it hurts me more when I see like racism against like older Asians mm. because like they're even less helpless to defend themselves even verbally. Mm. Um, like knowing my dad, like he's ESL, like his English is great. It's fine. But, like, in those moments, like, when you're caught off guard, like, you're going to go to your native tongue, right? But, like, you don't have, you're not going to have, like, the eloquence to, like, retort back at someone being, like, some asshole, you know? Yeah. Like, so, like, not only are you, like, helpless in the sense that, like, you're an older gentleman, like, you're just, you know, you're helpless in the fact that, like, they're abusing you in a language that's not even quite your own. And that you're, like, not even fully equipped to hit back in the same way. I don't know, like, because that irks me a lot is that, like, you know, if someone says some racist shit to me, like, and I'm, you know, like, I'll be able to, you know, say some shit back. Not that that's the best response or the best answer. I think, honestly, what your dad did was probably the most, like, honorable way to, like, diffuse or, like, handle the situation and kind of just walk away from it and be like, Hey, like, fuck, like he, take these, take the crap legs. I don't want them. Yeah. You know? And like, I think that takes a bigger man than I am for one. Like I probably would have like fought the guy. <laughs> I don't know. I have never had quite the best uh, responses to racism in public, but um, Vinny knows that. <laughs> but, Dude, um, I mean, I, I have no clue how to react yeah. to these things. And I, I don't know any amount of life experience that's going to make you figure it out. But I want to figure it out before I have kids so I can at least talk yeah. to them. I, I just don't know because I'm so angry sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so like, I honestly, like, I I wish I could handle it in a way that your dad probably, in the way that your dad did, I think. You know, just being able to walk away from it is, I think, takes a bigger man than I currently am. Um, so, like, I really respect that a lot. Um but yeah, I think moving on from that to just generally like coronavirus, I think we can go directly into like, what does this mean for like our everyday lives or like the everyday lives of like Asian Americans or Asians around the globe as a whole. And I think um, one of the things that, so, you know, in preparation for the pot, I was just Googling a lot of like, um, you know, global cases of racism and discrimination against Asians, you know, and not to say that this is happening like on every street corner in every city. I think these are definitely like, um, not rarities, but like, I think they're newsworthy in the sense that like, um, it's happening, not necessarily that it's happening to everybody all the time, but you know, there's a lot of cases of like hotels turning people away, you know, just for being Asian, um, for Uber and Lyft drivers actually turning people down because they're Asian. And then like actual cases of like physical threats, bullying attacks against Asian people, you know, across the globe. And so I think from my perspective, like racism is just as much of a virus that COVID-19 is, you know? Um, I think for one thing, it hides underneath the surface. You know, people can kind of mask it for a few days or for a while, years, and pretend like they're not. But I think whenever they do see a vulnerability, you know, they'll attack, you know? And so like you see, you know, if someone's racist against Asian people, right? And there's nothing going on. Asian people aren't making the news. And then all of a sudden, like, coronavirus comes out and it, like, you know, generates from Wuhan, China. And now it's their opportunity to just make fun of every Asian person ever. You know, and so they're just, they're seeing this and they're exploiting it. Um, But I think for me, what I would want to do is that we exploit it ourselves, right? So it's like, yes, it's like a, I think it's a, yeah, definitely global medical emergency. But I think for us, I think this is an opportunity for Asian Americans to start the conversation again. So I think Parasite started a conversation about just Asian films and getting Asians in the news, you know, but I think coronavirus is also an opportunity for us to like educate ourselves um, and then to have that conversation with others. Like I think it being this newsworthy is a chance for us to really express ourselves as individuals and be like, man, did you hear about this racism going on against Asian people? Like, and then if people are surprised about that, then this is your chance to speak up, tell them. Let them know that, like, you know, we're out here and um, these are our problems. These are everyone's problems. And I think it's a chance for us to really put it out there. 
I really appreciate everything you're saying right there, man, because I think that's hopefully what we really, really all can take away from it. And not just like beyond just an individual level, right? We can only do so much, but I love that piece that you're talking about as far as being able to educate it. Use this for good or bad, good being parasite winning, bad being that this is going to be something that's possibly negative affecting the actual, our everyday lives, the way people like view us already. Um, And then being able to kind of check those same people when they go out of the way and they say something that's casually racist or again, just flat out racist too. question them on it, right? It doesn't have to be so confrontational, but just you're having a conversation, you're making them aware that, hey, be conscious of your actions, right? Think about what mm-hmm. you're saying. Um, you were listing off the, the possible effects, but I think even one of the bigger things, I, you know, me being so just excited about food is that people are actively like, going out of the way to either not criticize, but or also just avoid Asian restaurants, right? Mm-hmm. Because like all oh, the food's not the food preparation, you know, or where are the people front, like it's, uh, I mean, concerning is one th- way to say it the least, but like, like what's going on here? You know what I mean? Yeah. I go, I There's really 15 cases in the U S yeah. Think. Right. And so like, I think for people to start pointing fingers at Asian people is just like, I think that's ridiculous, you know? And you see the same people that were probably wearing masks before because that can it's cultural. I mean, I'm not saying everything's for fashion reasons, but for their own, just they're just trying to if they are sick themselves, that's what they would use to hopefully try to stem that. I'm not saying it's the most effective way. Don't take any kind of medical advice that we say on this pod. Or <laughs> unfortunately, just to, neither of us are doctors. <laughs> we're not doctors. I'm not even. I'm trying to educate myself even about what it means and what the effects are, but. Uh, it's just all these images that people have and this impression of what they have about what Asians are. Again, it's no excuse for anybody to be like, there's never an excuse to be racist, but this is not the case either. So yeah, taking the opportunity. Um, there's a funny, uh, I guess, in li- on the lighter side of things that, that Ronnie Chang had put out. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I think, I guess I'm taking this. <laughs> so don't, I guess I'll, I'll read the line out. But it's like, don't stereotype an Asian person because of the coronavirus. Though there is a good chance that there are doctors so they can tell you what to do if you are worried. <laughs> uh, funny, funnily enough, I saw it on Subtle Asian Trade, so I was like, ah, yeah, the Facebook page staying relevant. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it's funny because, like, um, this is, like, unrelated to coronavirus in general. Well, no, it's related to coronavirus, but unrelated to, like, Asians and coronavirus. But there's, like, um, there's a few friends of mine who are doctors or, like, kind of, like, aspiring doctors or, like, med school and stuff and, like, we're all gathered around lunch talking about the coronavirus. And um, it was funny because I was thinking to myself, like, I love how everyone just assumes that doctors are all, like, reading off the same hymn sheet or, like, that they all have the exact same information. You know, it's like, oh, like, you're a doctor. Tell me more about the coronavirus. And he's like, look, dude, I'm just a fucking, like, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. Like, you know, like, I work on shoulders, man. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know about the coronavirus. Like, <laughs> I think it's just, like, funny how we just assume doctors know, like, everything about like medical issues yeah because um, mm-hmm. like if you were to talk to me about like like i'm an it guy like it's not like i don't know like i don't think i'm on the same page as every other it guy out there you know mm-hmm. and uh maybe all of them are which says a lot about me but <laughs> <laughs> no no you're, you're not alone joe you're not alone yeah but um yeah it, i just thought that was funny just because like you know do you trust your doctors you know like do you ever go to your doctor and be like yo what class you get a C in? Just curious. <laughs> like, what was your GPA in med school? You don't know that, right? Because oh, what do you, you call just a pass doctor? or fail, man? That's all it is. <laughs> what do you call a doctor who graduated from Harvard, and what do you call a doctor that graduated from like, like one of those like medical schools in the Caribbean? I don't want to name any names, but does it say doctor? <laughs> yeah, it's just doctor, dude. It's all doctor. Like, oh man. So like, no one questions these things. Question your doctors, people. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, that's true. Question everything in general, right? I, I think we too quickly defer. I mean, I guess when they, they have a specialist or somebody that you assume knows more than you. Um, if you're going to take any medical piece of advice, yeah, definitely do that. Yeah. <laughs> get well, a second. Vaccines are bad. Oh, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Bleep that part out. Bleep that. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not an anti-vaccine. I'm huge into vaccines. I love injections. Same. Same. <laughs> I got my, I did get my flu shot back in october i did get my flu shot as well i'm Everyone, a big flu shot guy even go though get your flu sick, shot like, yeah even after i get it weird but yeah 
Maybe a doctor can explain that to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think at this point, I would have loved to have a guest, um, one of our, even if they're, you know, still in school, we'd love to have them on the mm. pod. I, I'm actually curious, would love to hear their experiences too. Um, this conversation, I think, was brought up from one of our dear friends. I'm not going to give the name out until I get some permission, but um, maybe for the next one, we can have a guest. They can speak intelligently towards what's going on. <laughs> I, this pod for me has been a lot of a uh, stream of consciousness. Um, so hopefully someone's gleaning anything from it. Uh, just know that I care a lot and uh, I'm trying to do my best out here, Joe. <laughs> I'm trying to do my best. But yeah, um, I don't have any more topics. <laughs> All my <laughs> topics seem, you know, it's kind of like the order of how we decided to do things. I don't know if we should be. <laughs> Um, getting into anything else, this is really just a, a serious, more of like a public announcement to everyone listening out there. Call to action, so to speak. We, yeah. always, we do a lot of those. Um, I mean, if you want to take anything away, yeah, I think that's, I think just starting the conversation. This is an opportunity, I think. So I think there's one we should grab and try and take advantage of. Yeah, definitely. Um, but uh, please, I guess everyone... Join us again for the month of March when we release the next one. Uh, yes, and I promise this one, yeah, yeah. the next one's going to be good. We're all going to be good. Like, it's going to be fun. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. More segments. I was thinking of some good ones, Joe. I think next next time, um, I, as, as a kind of, uh, no, no, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. This list. We'll, we'll we'll play around with it. Then. You're here on the also, next one. hey, yeah. just for you listeners, like yeah. if you like, whenever we get those dope segments, like like tap or no tap, those sound effects were done by Vinny post production, and incredible production quality. <laughs> oh, I just want to no, give a please, shout out to Vinny because whenever you hear like the podcasts that don't have any like cool effects or anything, it's because I was mixing it, <laughs> like <laughs> no. putting it together. Also, and I just <laughs> go ahead. I just slap the tracks together and like push it so also what i will take credit for is when we say hey we record this podcast on february 7th and then it doesn't release till two weeks after that's the reason why. yeah all right Vinny, Vinny's gonna like take blame for that but there's a few unreleased podcasts that we have that are that were never released because of me they, they, and they lost their significance when when this when this thing kind of sets off we'll have a good not blooper reel but you know the undiscovered oh, yeah. tapes you know mm-hmm. for sure It'll be, like, released posthumously in, like, 70 years. <laughs> Definitely. Well, everyone, look forward to the um, Jay Chow, Jay Chu. Okay, Taiwanese musician Jay <laughs> um, versus Joe in our uh, story sometime. Let us know if you think it's an accurate depiction or, again, this guy's just a number one hater. Meaning, Yeah. Should I try to, like, take the same pose? I, yeah, anyways, yeah. I was, I was, I respect that. I think it makes it easier. You know? Yeah. Um, one would argue, if I'm going to stand up for the Jimmy Garoppolo and Travis Kelsey poll, is that it was definitely airing towards, hey, you know, Jimmy's looking really uh, clean-shaven, Kelsey's all sweaty, which, you know, it's not saying it's a bad photo, but you know, definitely could push our push you a certain way. You know what? I'll let you create the photo comparison of me and Jay. All right. Fair. That's fair. I'll take it. All right. As always, folks, I'm Vinny. I'm Joe. Please. Stay with us. I put them on the way, but today I'm feeling washed and off my game. Yeah, today I feel my age. I feel so ancient. They say Asian don't raise it. Went from young and the dangerous to making all of my payments. When I get wasted as shit, it take two days to get fixed. They ask me, what's your skin regimen, bitch? I drank like a fish. I done did everything, anything, all of my teens. Uppers and downers and all in between. Gave lovers the boot and giving them rings. From baggy to skinny with all of my jeans. 15 seconds of shine. Turned into six seconds on a vine. Now it's real fake in real time. Acting hella extra on it live. Little homie flexing, that's cute. They see my mural like, that's you. Old man, but anything brand new. Better cuff your girl, I still pull I mind my business, y'all start wars I'm Michael Jackson eating popcorn But keep testing and talk more I'll send that ass to the chalkboard I put them on the way But today I'm feeling washed And off my game And I feel
still my age Never played it S-A-F-E and I never let it stress me Shoot my shot like Smith and Wesson up until they come arrest me Again, um, what's your name again? Hmm. Used to open up, now the main event. If I could rage again, then I would. Go and peep the ATM look. Yeah, I feed the fam like I should. I still represent the same hood. I'll forever, ever stay put. Hey, you're not the hardest artist, but you'd never know, cause I'm modest. True, I never signed on that dotted, but came out the game, cum laude. Dearly departed. Y'all were like hot for a minute, but you wasn't on it. Should have been honest. You were so busy just looking at comments, running through thotties and ran into problems. Still don't have a Lambo, but I'm eating well in Nando's. Walking clubs with my sandals. Pull some strings like it's a banjo I could probably clear a sample Old enough to be a sample I just want a couple thank yous And wash them bad onto my ankles I put, I put them on, them on the way, the way But today I'm feeling washed, feeling washed And I'm feeling off my game, my game And I feel my age Never played it S-A-F-E And I never let it stress me Shoot my shot like Smith and Wesson Up until they come arrest me 